Nick. Let's talk Bianca, Bex, Cody, and Colby. Maybe a few Steve Weisers. What do you say? You want to do that for a little bit? Let's do it. Welcome to Go Home Heat. A wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peaking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, go home eat. Folks, this is KP, and I'm joined by Lit Nick from the LATL. Have you seen the new season of Atlanta at all? I have not yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks very good. Not the Atlanta I'm familiar with just yet. Maybe it's a little bit around the corner, though, but, you know. Hey, this season, they're not in Atlanta at all anyway. I, you know, I thought it looked a little different based on the commercials. I'm like, I haven't seen these places. WrestleMania was last night, Nick. You watched it, I believe, with a couple of friends that don't watch wrestling. I did. I did. I had a couple of friends over, and we watched the WrestleManias night one because, um... A, I was feeling like having some company while watching the good old show of shows. And two, I was interested to see, like, man, if I just throw these two friends of mine into the deep end of wrestling, I wonder how that's going to work out. We'll get into that at the end, I think. Now, this is termed the Showcase of the Immortals, and I do believe that is what we got. Now, we started out, and we're going to gloss over some matches real quickly because I don't think they're pertinent to what was important and in the interest of time the usos have a match i thought it was fine boogs gets legitimately hurt on a spot and so they have to kind of call the rest of the match on the fly it worked the usos go over it was fine corbin i thought corbin and drew mcintyre was i know you're a drew guy i am a bit of a drew guy i am i do i do like a little bit of my drew uh, you know what? And I'm kind of a Corbin guy in my own way, and I felt like they did a well, good I've been job. A Corbin guy, though. All right, as you know, I've been a Corbin guy before I've been a Drew guy. So this was designed for me. Honestly, I felt like it was a good match, and they told a good story here. But it just—we were waiting to get to be. To me, when I sat down, I was waiting to get to Bianca, Becky, or whoever says wrestling. And so it was good. And if it was the main event on SmackDown or Raw, I would have said, what a banger. Because Drew pretty much has wrestling matches that are bangers. He doesn't, he doesn't miss. He doesn't go out there and have bad performances. He never mails it in. I think he's a fantastic performer. Yeah, yeah. The match itself, like, it kind of, with the story they've been building up, you're like, okay. Yeah, this sounds about right. The, the thing is, about the actual match itself, it's got completely overshadowed by what happened after the match, by what Drew did to the ring. Yes, he, he cut the ring in half after he beat him. My man pulled out a sword, saw a madcap, <laughs> fully like tried to lob off madcap down the middle, or cut him down the middle, and destroys the top two ropes and shatters the ring. We move into the Mysterios and Logan Paul. We start to get into the spectacle of Mania now, right? I thought the Mysterios, as they popped out of the out of the ground for the Rey Mysterio entrance, I thought good for Dom to get in that scenario. Uh, he was the one who got beat up on early. Paul, I thought, made a great account of himself. Rey Logan Mysterio Paul did a really good. Frog splash 
He did a really good three amigos. Like I was impressed by Logan Paul, honestly. The way they managed to, you know, Dom comes out in the Eddie Guerrero tribute outfit to they showed online one of whatever he wore that yeah. outfit. The Mysterios try to do the the Eddie Guerrero tributes and then Logan gets to do the three amigos. Logan does the frog splash with the shoulder uh swerve and then the Miz comes through and he sees what's going on and everybody's like, what is the Miz doing? Because we saw him allow for Logan to take the the stereo 619s, but he, he being a smart, nefarious gentleman, he waited his time. He broke up the pin. He, he set up the, the pinfall. But then he never liked Logan Paul to begin with. And he went on ahead and put Logan Paul in the ground with the mic check at the end. I thought it was well done. To a symphony of cheers. <laughs> yes. Because if there's one person who won't be able to get over, I don't think it's Logan Paul. Mark my words on that. But I don't think anybody thought he did a bad job. Oh, no, no, no. I think Logan Paul put him up there with surprisingly good wrestlers like Bad Bunny. And Pat McAfee of like, I wasn't expecting you to be good at wrestling, and yet here you are really just knocking it out of the park. Well done. Right, right. Um, I will say that Cody made an interesting point in a backstage interview post his match. And he said, nowadays anybody can do the moves. Developing a connection with the audience is what matters. And Logan already has a connection with the audience, but it is the heel connection. Which makes him perfect. And I kind of mentioned this to my friends. Like He really is perfectly designed for wrestling. Yeah. Based on what he set up for himself to be the perfect bad guy. Meaning at some point, ladies and gentlemen, he will have a belt. And the <laughs> internet will burn itself. And... <laughs> If he and decides to hate it and say, why did we give it to this non-wrestler person? But by that point, when he has the belt, he'll probably be really good at wrestling. Well, if he feels like sticking around, he may not. He's got he's got money. He's got stuff he likes to do. You know, he can always come back and get one off like this if he wants, whatever he wants to do. Now we get into the meat of the thing. And to be honest, it was my main event looking at the card. Becky. Yeah, I know it's same. I was telling that to my friend, like out of every match on the card, this was the only one that felt like it was a proper WrestleMania match that had a year of buildup that had like all like two former WrestleMania winners going head to head again and feeling like a real like big moment built up to it. And even the entrances felt super big and built up. I felt I honestly the the marching band coming out and her skipping down the aisle was such a great contrast to the way Becky comes in with the Marvel comic, you know, yeah, entrance. I was saying that like it's so like it's so wild the Becky story, and how it's changed because now she, instead of she used to be the Cinderella story of the people's champion, how does she come out to big time Bex, big Hollywood kind of like flashy stuff? Comes out looking like Cruella Deville to a limo, walks down thing. Not to the cheers of people or for people rooting for her with this simple stuff, but to just the most elaborate thing. And how does Bianca come out? The new person of the people. To a marching band and just a regular entrance. To just a symphony of cheers. Like that, beautiful. And they they told the story, the the dichotomy between the young, exuberant, 
uber likable Bianca in such a great way as Becky announces herself as a heel with the not handshake, man slam, one, two, three, 20 something seconds. And we get this hero's journey for Bianca. And they told that story perfectly once the bell rang because they did allow for Becky to have a plan when she got in the KOD. And she grabbed the hair. She pulls her in. She she gets the, she hits her move. She had a plan. Bianca kicks out at the last minute. Everybody was like, oh, no, they didn't just do this to us again. Because he did actually hit the mat on the third one. Before he said, no, 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 you know, it, it was perfectly done to make us, to remind us of where this starts. And it starts, like you said, back at SummerSlam and build all the way to this is so strong. And then they repeat the story that we've seen on TV and at different pay-per-views over the course of these months, leading to this moment where she actually has her hero's journey in the ring as she rebuilds herself up when she... Bianca is so strong. When she hit those stairs, when Becky pushed her into the stairs outside the ring, she hit those things like she was Roman Reigns. Like they were a tackling dummy, and she drove those things into the air, which was well done and smart because Becky was going to manslam her on them later on, so it had to be lowered down so Becky could do that. Brilliant way to put the spot in there and set it up without having to take time away from the match itself. It was perfect. The counters were great. Every time you thought Bianca had an answer, Becky was able to counter. As the match went on, Becky began to mentally slip into her insecurities and eventually loses. And now we're going to have her go completely unhinged on Monday night as Bianca goes off into the future to become what we believe is the biggest thing in the sport like Becky at one time was. Fascinating too, Becky is becoming, I feel like in the ring, one of the great storytellers we have in the business right now? Honestly, I was that's something that I was noticing like a lot of the very beginning of the match that Bianca and Becky were able to do so well, which is a lot of it would like start off with a lot of grappling and a lot of like rolling around the mat because both of them wanted to take like the other out immediately. Because Bianca want like and for looking at this from a storytelling perspective, Bianca wants revenge for her twenty six seconds. And she wants to make she wants Becky to suffer the same fate as her, and Becky just wants it over because Bianca's in her head now, and she just wants this done. So, like this entire like first like third of the like first like one fourth or one third of the match, you just see them constantly like a fist fighting and kind of hoping that like maybe like if I make a quick like one hit KO, I can go home, and it just doesn't work out because the two have just well scouted each other the entire way through. And it really kind of builds to it to eventually where Becky starts throwing all of the big moves at Bianca that she just will not stay down for. And so then we go into, I was blown away by the next segment. And I want to say, <laughs> I don't want to forget this. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins had to build a WrestleMania match without the help of their counterpart. All the promos, all the storytelling had to be done without whoever was going to be coming in or, or with stone cold who wasn't available to come into town. They both did a fantastic job of that. We'll get to the stone cold stuff later. Here we have Rollins awaiting who will be announced. The lights go out as much as I knew it had to be Cody undertaker saying never say never at the end of his oddly 
inspirational TED talk I never saw coming yesterday that I was going, I was going to be inspired by Taker. And then I thought, wait a minute, Bray Wyatt's in Dallas. Is it possible that I'm getting a Firefly moment real quickly as the as the people's camera lights on their phones went on? And then, boom, Cody's AEW music and theme hits. He arises out of the ground. And I was blown away that he got to keep everything. And he said... Got to keep everything. Well, that's... <laughs> see, okay. The elaborate entrance. The last episode we did... I said, this is the most important match in WWE since the butts and seats Tony Schiavone thing, where Mick Foley goes over and effectively WCW dies. Behind the scenes, AEW wrestlers are wondering what will Vince do to our characters when we get there. Now, not everybody will have the negotiating power Cody had. But Cody said that in a meeting with Vince, he said, I want to keep everything. And Vince said, well, it's not broke. As in, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that was amazing to me. Nick, I want to tell you, I'm, I honestly am thinking about doing weekly episodes about Cody Rhodes. <laughs> and we're going to call it Into the Cody-verse. Yes, I'm, Cody I'm contemplating. Maybe it'll be a segment on the end of the shows, but there's so much to unpack here. And so it, nothing, I can't, I can't. Made it feel so surreal and strange. It's like he's back at WWE in his AEW outfit and his AEW like kind of persona. After having essentially made the competition, or one of the people who made the competition, and then left that competition. Okay, now let's get to what happens. Boom! His music hits. It's an incredible moment. By the way, Seth's entrance was great. His uh, whatever on earth he was wearing was was fantastic. And skin the cookie monster and wore his skin like a pelt. It was very disturbing. It was. It was. Okay. And then we get to the ring and the crowd was electric all night, but boy, were they electric for this. And Cody does a few moves and Corey Graves with the call of the night. When Cody does something and they split apart and he does the cartwheel and the stardust move and he says, that wasn't an homage. That was, and I, I, I probably missed his skin. That was shedding his skin. I thought that was fantastic. I thought Cody was, I mean, Corey was spot on right there. And then we get this wonderful story in which they both, you know, Cody had broken the throne at his pay per view to start with the Triple H throne, and then we have. Seth Rollins, who is the hand-picked man by Triple H to carry this company into the future. In both kayfabe world and real world, Cody says in an interview, I hear so much about Dusty's sons, as in OVW and NXT. What about Dusty's real son? And he's looking across the ring at a guy who we who, who Dusty had invested in and Dusty's, uh, Cody said before, Triple H wishes he was... Dusty Sun, and <laughs> and 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 we and we see that play out as they battle over the pedigree. One of them broke the throne. One of them was the King Slayer at at a WrestleMania. They battle over the pedigree to get it. Finally, Seth does hit a pedigree. Cody kicks out. What what did you think about the match? I think it like when the match started, it was very. Well, it, it's something that you notice is just like. 
after the high octane stuff of Becky, you have to start off slow and build it back up again. And Seth and Cody are really good masters of doing that. They really know how to like slow down a thing and start building it back up slowly until like you got the audience's attention over time. And it's such a very hard thing to do because if you slow it down too fast, people are going to immediately tune out quick. But right. these two really do, especially like when like a bunch of like the match was like the two were doing the same moves and couldn't get it on the other one because they're just evenly matched and just it kind of told a little bit of a meta story about like these two really are the, like two different sides of the same coin and they can't get the right arm lock on the right. other guy. Right. Right. I thought to your point, having Cody hurt his ribs kind of early and having Seth hurt his elbow kind of early allowed them to go for the arm bar and hold it because it was supposed to hurt. I've never Seth going with the bear hug for a second. Yeah. But what you were talking about, it allowed for, okay, he's injured here so I can work this one body part and we can slow it down. We can let the crowd, because we're going to, we're going to have a home stretch. We are going to turn this thing around and it's going to be amazing. And Cody hits the Cody cutter. He goes over. It's the perfect story. It is also well, the not before he does like the bionic elbow, which is really good. Oh, thank you so much. Exactly, he does, and he he hits Cody with two two crossroads. He hits Seth with two, two crossroads. crossroads. Then if he's about to do the third one. Stops, pushes him aside so we can do the, the bionic elbow. Right, and what a giving! Two jabs, bionic elbow, another crossroads. One, two, three, and what a giving performer Seth Rollins is. He gave so much to us, our CrossFit Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He gives us always. I, I think in a lot of ways, the the headline of the night were Bianca, Cody, and Stone Cold. But the the things, to me, the performances of the night were Becky, Seth, and Kevin for the way they set a table for somebody to be anointed. Yeah, or in Stone Cold's case, leave on this high note. Now it is proper retirement match, right? Now Charlotte and Ronda. I don't really want to go into detail about this. They chose to go submission holds and stuff like that. I thought it made sense because there were similarities between what Seth and Cody did and what Bianca and and, and, and Becky had done. So to go a different route with the match made sense to me. I thought it was good. I think they're very talented. It was just hard to be invested in that when you had so much greatness for an hour before. And then there was the fact of how Charlotte and and Ronda ended. Because there were two weird, like, yeah, yeah they, the, the ending was like, okay, we're prolonging this feud. But then there was the legitimate three count by the ref because he didn't check and look up at the freaking foot and had to immediately go, oh, well, that was my bad. I'm like, oh, no, that ref missed. I, didn't, I was like, I don't know if that's a work or not, but that's just. You're talking about, you're talking about, you don't know if the guy that used to dress up like Ric Flair and it was nicknamed Little Nate had, had a bad call in the referee there in, in Charlotte's match. That's odd. Okay. No. I Again, I, I don't. I don't need to see this again. If Ronda's sticking around, good. You know, that's cool. But i be honest with you. If I was them and I'm not, I would move Becky away from 
Bianca after Backlash. I would move her towards Charlotte, and I would have them go at it again. And then I would move Charlotte towards Bianca. And I, and Charlotte and Becky would be, if, if it was my company, which it is not, they would not be champions for a little while. Because I think Becky, I know Becky can tell stories just like Seth's doing, up and down the card without a belt involved, and that makes your show that much better. Now, let's move on to what freaking matters. Yeah. We get a KO Stone Cold thing, and we don't know for sure whether we're going to get a, a kick in the belly and a stunner or if we're going to get something for real. And Kevin teased it a little bit when he said the night before he did a little thing. I, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know where everybody else saw it on social media where he said, I cannot believe that tomorrow I'm going to be main eventing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So maybe it's more than just that. And boy, was it. Kevin undresses Texas, lays it out, tears him up. Stone Cold won't have it. Kevin tells him about how he's a shell of his former self as a man. And then why don't we have a match? Boom. No holds barred. We get the, if you want me to see me whoop this guy's ass in a match, give me a hell yeah moment. Then we get Stone Cold and him and KO beating each other up from pillar to post. Bulk of the match was was Kevin taking bumps, but I, I would say that I was pleasantly surprised at how much Stone Cold was willing to take bumps. He took some bumps on concrete. He drank I don't know how many Steve Weisers over the course of it. It He got stunned. He allowed himself to get stunned on the main event of WrestleMania. He dude, when he got stunned and Kevin covered, I thought, oh no. <laughs> I didn't think it would really happen, but that knee jerk reaction, you know, you go, oh, you know, and yeah. and but he he kicks out, which means it's still. <laughs> that's the funny thing about the story, right? It's still my move. I kicked out. It's yeah. still my move. You know what I mean? And then he turns around and hits old boy with the stunner, uh, gets the win, drinks a ton of Steve Weisers. His brother gets to get into the ring, and then Byron Saxon gets to come into the oh, ring. Byron, this is <laughs> dude. And the way the way Owens sold the, the stunners and then got carted out by the marshals was great, but Byron is just next, next level, level gullible. That thing. Huh? He's next level when it comes to selling that thing. Oh, and they both gave us, to some degree, you got the Scott Hall tribute, right? Yeah. The little pop mm-hmm. off the ground. It was great. It was great. You liked it too? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, for what it was, it was very entertaining. There was a, like I said, I was watching with two people who've never really seen wrestling before. So there was a friend of mine, Fatima, was screaming like, "Where is who is throwing all of these beers?" Because every <laughs> once in a while, point off screen, someone would throw him a beer, and he just started pouring it on his shirt. He's like, "You're not even drinking it," and he just keeps throwing beers. At yeah, he probably so drank like, two beers, but he cracked yeah, open he, like twenty. He probably drank like an ounce. Of <laughs> everything that like hit the ground or her his shirt. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, so what did they think? As, as what did they think as the two people now? They they uh. For a living, I believe they work in the entertainment industry as you do. Is that correct? Yes. I have two friends of mine uh, who may be listening. Hello, friends, if you're listening. Um, one of them is an editor. The other one is a also aspiring writer like me, but works as PA on sets right now. Uh, the editor, like who is very, he's a very smart guy, and he the way he saw it was like I re- he really dug how meta the entire thing was. 
And like, what, especially because he came over here like when the kickoff show was happening. He watched that whole thing through with me. Those were two hours of just sports commentating, and him being like really digging like how, oh, so when you said it was fake, like everyone was in on it, on the fact that it's predetermined and stuff. So like, it's really interesting this meta way of telling a story through sports and stuff. It's like, yeah, man, this is why I watch it all the time. And then Fatima, who came in a little late, said, I can't believe you guys watched eight hours of wrestling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. But great. they both enjoyed it. They both did. They were both. They did both enjoy it um, to varying degrees. Both of them, I think their favorite match was the Becky and Bianca. Like, and that's from someone who is, like, again, two people who have never seen a match. Um, I think because they're, they – I looked at them while that match was going on, and that was the one match that they were glued to the screen to being like, like, screaming, get off, Bianca. Why are you spending all the match on your back? And I'm like, this is a story. It's like, I don't care. It's great. They well, were really into it. They really liked it. Well, that's the thing, right, is that if you don't watch pro wrestling, you don't get that what, what happened with Cody when he was away. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you don't know who Cody Rhodes is, and if you don't know who Steve, like, don't know a lot about Steve Austin and like why, how he left, and all that. Nick, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for letting me call in. It's always fun to talk about mania. It's always fun to talk about the wrestling. A very unique form of storytelling. You are listening to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Check out our friends at the Gin Project, the G I N N. Project.com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, your one-stop shop for all things pro wrestling. And now, back to Go Home Heat. Ray has joined the discussion. How are we doing, Ray? Um, I am here. Nick Lepp, Ray's here. He's going to help us wrap up our day one coverage. How did... I noticed when we were watching it, um, you blurted something else. What, what did you blurt out? Um, it was during the Cody thing. I said... Um, something along the lines of how does this medium of entertainment even exist? Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, this it's just I don't know. Cody's story is so bizarre. The fact and this could only happen in wrestling. There's like a certain like you're not gonna have a story that goes like Cody's has. And do it anywhere else that isn't wrestling. It wrestling is this odd mix of fantasy and reality, where yeah. a part of the story we tell in the ring is what's really going on in their lives, and yet it, it how they mesh the two together. the The death of kayfabe has turned yeah. into this her turned it into this really weird form of storytelling, right? Yeah, because you have a you have a Cody. Who's really, in some ways, chasing his father's dream, and yet yeah. he goes away, creates the competition, creates the alternative, and then comes back to continue to chase as he still feels this is the grandest stage to be on. Yeah, it, it, it's it's strange. It's really strange. That match was great, though. That was actually my favorite match of the night, and I actually think it was the best match of the night. Pay attention to pro wrestling, and you know Seth is the golden boy, regardless of whether or not he's on top. Yeah, and you know Cody is the guy who fled to come back to challenge. It really opens up this whole, and they encompassed all of it. 
Yeah, literally all of it. They told the entire story through the match. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think it was such like... It was such a great just piece of storytelling mm-hmm. to to that just appeared. <laughs> you know? Right. Style of this storytelling that doesn't exist outside of the wrestling world is when a guy who's been out of it for 16 years comes back. Oh, he can't get like when Michael Jordan came back and played for the Wizards, he wasn't still Michael Jordan. A football player retired or a boxer comes in after a multiple year layoff. He usually comes back and he gets knocked out, right? Because you can't fake the story. Whereas Kevin Owens can say, we're going to go out here and I'm going to sell for yeah. you and we're going to make you look like a million bucks. We'll, we'll have it be no holds barred. So the wrestling moves don't matter. Take the bumps that you can take. Let me know when you can take them. When you can't take him anymore, let me know that too. It doesn't look like there was ever a point where he couldn't. It was amazing, yeah. right? Whole thing felt like a fever dream. A fever dream, yes. Like just the whole fact of it happening. It can only be told through wrestling, right? You can't like, right? You cannot do that anywhere else, right? Because in the movies, you'd bring a character back, and maybe you could tell that story, but you don't have a fan base going, man. I wish he could have got to retire kind of on his own terms and instead of having to give us one match with The Rock and then go away. Yeah. Right? And then come back and give us this performance. Because <laughs> there's not that yearning for him to come back. You can't have him have to say no to Punk for a decade because he physically can't do it and then finally get somebody to okay it and he's and he's here for us. <laughs> Same thing with Sting when when he when he's over there in AEW. It's it's this odd, this really neat form of storytelling that I don't think you even like you, for example. You've you don't immerse yourself in wrestling culture any, any, anymore. No, but you can appreciate it when it's done well, and you still can check out the pay per views and keep up with the storylines, and it still works because it's such a unique form of theater and around. Should be. I think this is probably the best WrestleMania we've had. Night one, so much pressure on night two. Night two is not going to look. <laughs> right. I, I I don't. I don't think. I I mean. Oh, we got Johnny Knoxville wrestling. The story at night, too, is who becomes the champion and does Cody come out and immediately immediately get to look Roman in the face? Yeah. Because if he does, we're really off and running. Yeah. And even if he doesn't, the Monday night promos, Cody's pretty good with a stick in his hand. Dude, wrestling fans are so spoiled, and they're still going to find something to complain about. They did. <laughs> they did online all day today. You still had everybody in their corners, right? You had yeah. the people talking about how Cody's sold out or whatever. It's Cody needs to have the old Seth shirt, right? Exactly. I didn't sell out. I bought in. Yes. Oh, man. Cody could never have been a baby face in AEW again. The crowd at best was split. If you remember, he threw his, I think the moment that really slapped him in the face, he threw his weight belt out into the crowd and they threw it back at him. Today, he hands it to, uh, last night, he hands it to a kid and the kid like gushes and oh my gosh, I got the weight belt. He, yeah, I feel like he was being welcomed. Well, he probably also, the reason why he handed it to a little kid before the match was to make sure it didn't get tossed back. <laughs> but it was it was such a em- embrace of the of the WWE community around Cody as he came in. It was really impressive how much they they and he can't have that babyface run in in the company he fa- he helped found. Here he can because the important thing for the WWE fan base is that you aren't the corporate shill. 
Yeah. That's why Roman, now as he comes back, we know that Roman arm wrestled with Vince and said, hey, I don't have to come back, but you're going to let me be a heel this time, and you're going to let me tell the stories out the way I want to tell them, and you're going to give me Paul Heyman. And now we love Roman, even though he's a heel, right? Because we know he pushed back to Vince. Because, because ultimately, in all of wrestling, whether it's AEW or thing, there's one heel, right? It's Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> Everything yeah. else is some form of that evil tree. It's a branch off that evil tree. And I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to argue the merits of Vince one direction or the other. I'm just saying that's the way it feels. So is that a wrap? Um, I think it is. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking. This, is, this has been a Go Home Heat production, copyright 2022, and check out our friends at Game Project, the GINNProject.com. Check out our friends at The Daily Smart, your one-stop shop, one shop for all things pro wrestling. Ray, thank you very much. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>